What's up, Rooftop? You love Jesus. Go and give him a hand clap this morning. Come on. How's it going? I'm Pastor Skyler. I'm the pastor of youth and young adults here at Rooftop Church. And, and that was a clip from, or the trailer for the movie Eat, Pray, Love. First a memoir written by Elizabeth Gilbert, then became a major motion picture starring Julia Roberts and James Franco. I knew I was off balance a little bit. There we go. Now I'm centered. And she sets out, it tells the story of a woman who is in search of something. Although not exactly sure what, she sets out to find herself. And so she decides she's unhappy in her marriage, so she leaves her husband. Um, Then she starts a love affair with a much younger man, James Franco. And then that doesn't work out. That's not fulfilling. So what she does is she decides she's going to go spend a year abroad. She goes to Italy and she eats lots of food. She decides she's going to go meditating with uh, Hindu yogis in India, praying to different gods, trying to find love and sex in Bali. And so this book sat atop the New York Times bestseller list for four years and was translated into 35 languages. This book literally flew off the shelves as people all over the world resonated with the story of a woman who travels the world in search of herself, in search of fulfillment, in in, in search of satisfaction, and in search of God. And I wondered, why is that? And I think it's because this movie raises a major question that we are all in search of. And that is, Where do I find my fulfillment? Because deep down in all of us, we are all searching. We are all seekers, seeking fulfillment, seeking happiness, seeking God. And perhaps we could find fulfillment in leaving our spouse for a much younger person. Perhaps we can find fulfillment eating lots of food in Italy. Perhaps we can find ourselves and find God and salvation meditating in India. Perhaps, perhaps we can find ourselves if we just leave everything behind and start over. Or, if I may, let's see what God's word has to say. And specifically, let's see what Isaiah has to say. So we are currently in week 28 of our sermon series called Isaiah for Today, where we are spending 10 months going through the writings of the prophet Isaiah. Isaiah was an 8th century Hebrew prophet who lived about 800 years before Jesus. And he spoke on behalf of God to the leaders of Jerusalem and to Judah. And he warned them that if they persisted in their wicked ways, that God was going to use the kingdoms of Assyria and Babylon to judge them for all of their evil deeds. Well, they didn't listen. And they didn't repent, and they were defeated and exiled to Babylon. But God did not give up on them, and he promised to bring them back. But things would need to be different. They could not return to their old idolatrous ways. God gives them things that they need to do differently on their way back. And that's what we've titled this next installment of our Isaiah series. It's called The Way Back. Look at your neighbor and say, The Way Back. And so they need to, uh, to trust God. Um, they need to uh, lament. 
They need to have hope that God has something better in mind for them. These are things that we've covered over the last couple of weeks. Pastor Jeremy and Matt have some, done some awesome messages. If you've missed those, head to our YouTube page and check those out. But this week, what we're going to be talking about is that the people on their way back, they need to seek the Lord while he still may be found. So let's turn to our text for today. Isaiah 55. We're going to start at uh, verse 1, and we're going to continue in through 7. So we're going to go to Isaiah 55, 1 through 7. If you don't have a Bible, that's A-OK. We're going to have the words up on the screen for you. Isaiah says this, Come, everyone who thirsts, come to the waters. And he who has no money, come, buy, and eat. Come, buy, wine, and milk without money, And without price, why do you spend your money for that which is not bread and your labor for that which does not satisfy? Listen diligently to me, eat what is good and delight yourselves in rich food. Incline your ear and come to me. Hear that your soul may live and I will make with you an everlasting covenant. My steadfast sure love for David. Behold, I made him a witness to the peoples, a leader and commander for the peoples. Behold, you shall call a nation that you do not know, and a nation that did not know you shall run to you because of the Lord your God and the Holy One of Israel, for he has glorified you. Some translations say he has endowed you with splendor. Verse 6, seek the Lord while he may be found. Call upon him while he is near. Let the wicked forsake his way and the unrighteous man his thoughts. Let him return to the Lord that he may have compassion on him. And to our God, for he will abundantly pardon. As Isaiah writes this, the people are in Babylonian captivity. They've been exiled from their home and they are awaiting the end of their 70 year divine timeout. They're in a season of waiting and God wants to prepare their hearts before they come back home. They've lost their homes, all they hold dear. For them, life has not turned out the way that they had hoped. Maybe you can relate. They're supposed to be God's chosen people, but then they feel unfulfilled. They began living in rebellion, seeking fulfillment and meaning outside of their covenant relationship with God. They began to seek fulfillment and satisfaction, um, idolatry, worshiping other gods and idols. And in doing this, what they did was they pitted themselves against God. And then even after they were taken into captivity, some of them, they adopted the religious practices of their captors, the Babylon, completely forsaking God altogether. And so on their way back, God wants them to seek him, not idols, not other gods. Seek him. And that's what he wants for us as well. But seeking is hard. You see, this is a common thing that can happen to all of us. When life does not go as planned, when we begin to feel unfulfilled, when we're no longer satisfied with what we have, as Isaiah says, we get hungry. And we get thirsty. When our needs are not met exactly the way that we want them met, we go searching and we go seeking. Searching for something to complete us, searching for something to make us happy, searching for something to fill the void in our lives, searching to find health, wealth, success, 
Because at the end of the day, deep down, we are all seekers. And the questions are, and I want you to think for a moment where you are. Just think. What are you searching for? Where do you go seeking it? And how is that search going? Seeking the Lord is hard. It takes effort. But God wants us to keep searching. We can find God. We can find fulfillment. We can know him, experience him, learn his plan for our lives, experience his grace. God can be found by those who just look for him, for those who seek him. And this passage serves as a call to seek God by explaining to us, number one, how we can find God and why we should seek after him. But again, I want to level with you guys. I know that seeking God can be hard. I I know for the longest time from personal experience, I didn't see God as reliable. I didn't think he was listening if he was really up there at all. And these ideas stemmed from a number of things, and perhaps you can relate to at least one of them. Number one, I wanted things fast, right? I would go seeking the Lord, I'd open my Bible, and then I would just expect God's glory to just fall from heaven. And when that doesn't happen in like 30 seconds, I get bored and I shut my Bible. It's like, I guess he's not there. Or number two, I would seek the Lord, but I would seek the Lord for my own personal gain. I'd seek the Lord not because I desired to know him, not because I desired him, but I just wanted something from him. So I would seek the Lord selfishly. I wouldn't seek him unless I needed something from him. I would treat God as though he was my cosmic vending machine. You know what I mean? Or I I, uh, say a prayer, hit B7, and then out pops my blessing, right? Is that how God works? No. He does not bend to our whim. But God's word does say in Jeremiah 29, 13, you will seek me and find me when you seek me with all of your heart. So why is it so hard to seek the Lord? Well, because oftentimes we do it half-heartedly and we do it with the wrong motives. We do it selfishly. If we're going to seek God, we must seek God with all of our hearts. And so over the next remaining time we have, I want to talk about why we should seek the Lord, why we should seek the Lord. Surprise, surprise, I've got three points. Number one, Seek the Lord because he satisfies. Seek the Lord because he satisfies. Let's go, let's go back to our text. Isaiah 55, we're going to go to verse 2. Why do you spend your money for that which is not bread? Why? Why do you spend your labor for that which doesn't really satisfy? Listen diligently to me and eat what is good. Delight yourselves in rich food. The problem here that Isaiah points out is that when we get hungry, when we get thirsty, when we get bored with our lives, when we get unhappy in our marriages, hello, we spend our money on that which is not bread and our labor on that which does not truly satisfy. What is he talking about here? We all know what it's like to get hungry, right? And sometimes when we're really hungry after a long day, And you don't want to go grocery shopping, you don't want to go to the store, you don't want to see people, but you also don't really want to cook anything, you just want something quick and easy. So what do you do? Taco Bell. You go through the drive-thru, right? Taco Bell, McDonald's, Burger King, and you get full, right? But you are not satisfied, right? 
You guys know what I'm talking about. You put the, the food, you put that into your body, and then you feel kind of guilty immediately after. You know, like, man, did I, did I really need to eat all of that? As you're like sitting in your car and like the Taco Bell lettuce is all over you and the cheese is everywhere. You're like, did I really need to eat all of that? Like, did I really need the large fries and the milkshake? You're full, but you are not, you're not satisfied. But we all have basic needs and desires to be loved, to be validated, to be, to be full and satisfied with our lives and our relationships. We all desire meaning and joy and happiness. And God designed us that way. But what happens is we go searching in the wrong places... And most of the time we go searching for the wrong things. We spend our money and time, as Isaiah says, on that which is not bread, on that which doesn't nourish, and that which does not truly satisfy. Instead of waiting on the fresh water and milk and wine and satisfaction that God has for us, we settle for a Capri Sun and a Rally's cheeseburger or a PBR. Full but not satisfied. King Solomon, the second wisest man to ever live, second only to Jesus, is thought to be the richest man to ever live. And this is what he says in Ecclesiastes. Whatever my eyes desired, I did not keep from them. I kept my heart from no pleasure, for my heart found pleasure in my toil, and that was my reward. Then I considered all that my hands had done and the toil I had expended in doing it, and behold, all was vanity, which means meaningless, and striving after wind. There was nothing to be gained under the sun. You know what he's saying there? He's saying he didn't keep himself from anything that he wanted. He said, he said he kept his eyes and his heart from no pleasure. He had more money than we'll ever have. He had more sex than we'll ever have. He had way more experiences than we'll ever have. And at the end of the day, he said it's all meaningless and it's like striving after the wind. He did everything this world has to offer and it still did not satisfy. Unfortunately for us, that looks like a lot of us today. We are trying to fill that hole in our hearts with all of the wrong things and we know that it ultimately does not bring the satisfaction we're looking for. However, we still try. We find ourselves unfulfilled. We try to find that fulfillment in things that don't bring the satisfaction we're looking for. We're unhappy with our spouse, so we leave them. We want to feel loved, so we begin a love affair, like Elizabeth Gilbert with James Franco. We, uh, we feel depressed, so we'll drink until it numbs the pain. We feel lonely, so we send that text to that person whose number you should have deleted a long time ago. Hello, come on, you know what I'm talking about. We want to be successful, so we immerse ourselves in our work and neglect our families. We want to be seen and validated, so we try to build online personas on social media. We in here are hungry, and we are thirsty, and ultimately in our search for fulfillment, we spend our labor too many times on that which does not satisfy. This is embarrassing to share, but I want to be transparent I struggled for the longest time to be validated 
That's what I wanted. I never felt good enough. I always felt like there was a chip on my shoulder. And what made me feel validated, at least temporarily, was sex. I tried to fill that God-shaped hole in my heart with girl after girl, or relationship after relationship, and it never could truly fill the hole that was in my heart. I just kept digging and digging and digging, and the hole just kept getting deeper and deeper, and I kept searching and seeking, and nobody could fill that hole that was in my heart. Until I gave my life to Christ and I realized that I don't need validation from any person when I'm loved, seen, and known by the creator of the universe. And I didn't have to find love in people anymore when the most amazing, satisfying love has found me. And that is the love of God. It truly satisfies. God's word says, you open your hand And you satisfy the desire of every living thing. Psalm 37, 4 says, delight yourself in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. We can try all we want, as hard as we want, but nothing in this life will truly bring us the satisfaction we are looking for. We will always be left wanting. Like King Solomon says, no amount of money No number of friends, no amount of sex, no number of accolades, no degree, no job will truly ever satisfy us. True satisfaction is delighting in the Lord. Seek the Lord and he will be found. Seek the Lord because he satisfies. Number two, seek the Lord because he endows with splendor. Let's jump back to our text, Isaiah 55. We're going to be at verse Three, he says this, incline your ear, come to me, hear that your soul may live, and I will make with you an everlasting covenant. Again, this is Isaiah talking, but he's speaking on behalf of God. I will make with you an everlasting covenant, my steadfast, sure love for David. Behold, I made him a witness to the peoples, a leader and commander for the peoples. Behold, you shall call a nation that you do not know, and a nation that did not know you shall run to you because of the Lord your God and of the Holy One of Israel, for he has glorified you. Some translations say he has endowed you with splendor. That's what the Hebrew says. And in Hebrew, that word right there for splendor, it means magnificence, glory, and grandeur. So God is telling this little nation that has been destroyed and captured and conquered uh, and, and currently sits in exile, that he is going to restore them, magnify them, make them a place that others are drawn to and place upon them magnificence. God is saying, seek me and I will bless you. Psalm 119.2 says this, Blessed are those who keep his statutes and seek him with all their heart. Hebrews eleven six tells us that he rewards those that earnestly seek him. God satisfies and God blesses. However, this may not be the kind of blessings that you're thinking of. When we think of blessings, we often think monetarily, right? A big house, a nice car, um, a great job. And yes, Sometimes God does bless monetarily, but he's talking about something that is so much 
bigger and better in this passage. So what is the blessing that God is talking about here? Well, I want to jump back to the text. We're going to look back at verse three. What does he say? I will make with you an everlasting covenant. Do you guys know what a covenant is? It's a relational agreement. And so what he's saying here is that I will make a relational agreement with you. I'm going to establish a covenant, a relationship with you that will never end. I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. You will never be alone as long as you're seeking after me. But we may not feel blessed in this life. That's a reality. We may feel afflicted. We may, we may feel worn down and tired. But as followers of Jesus, we know that this life is not the end of the story. Amen? And we have an everlasting covenant with God. And sometimes the blessings of this life don't seem to come in this life. But we know there is another one to come where we're going to spend forever with God in heaven, where there's no more pain, shame, depression, or loss, where we are made whole and perfected in the presence of God. And I'm here to tell you this morning, there is no greater blessing than this. Number three, seek the Lord. It's the best one. Because he saves. Seek the Lord because he saves. Let's go to verse Six in Isaiah 55. He says this, Seek the Lord while he may be found. Call upon him while he is near. Let the wicked forsake his way and the unrighteous man his thoughts. Let him return to the Lord that he may have compassion on him and to our God for he will abundantly pardon. Isaiah is telling the people here that if they seek after the Lord, if they turn to him, he will have mercy on them and pardon them of all of their sins. If the people would just turn to him, return to him, God promises to forgive their sins and save them freely. This is insane. Do you guys know what the the cost of sin is? Death. If you break the law, what happens? You go to jail. You commit a crime. What happens? You face the consequences. But God is saying here that if the people would just just return to me and just seek after me, that he will absolve them of all of the sins. That they did the crime, but they don't have to do the time. He will freely pardon them. He's saying that he will forgive all the wrong, all the bad things that they've done, If they just seek him, not just some sins, not just the sins that just aren't that bad. God is saying that he will show compassion and abundantly pardon them of all of their sins. This is insane. Do you know what they're guilty of? All the things that we're guilty of, right? Lust, greed, idolatry, racism, hate, murder. So I want you to imagine this court courtroom. Imagine the scene in court, the defendant, Judah, has committed thousands of crimes. And the Bible says the wages of sin is death. So this nation, by its own standards, now must face the death penalty. And they stand before the judge, awaiting their sentencing and their punishment for their many crimes and thousands of sins against God. And what does the judge do? He gets off the stand, unlocks their handcuffs, gives them a hug, Little pat on the butt, get out of here. You're free to go. Sets them free. (laughs) It doesn't make any sense. But I want to better understand this, and I think Isaiah sheds a little bit of light for us. So we're going to go back up to verse 
1. It says this, Come everyone. Come everyone who thirsts. Are you thirsty? Come on. Come to the waters. And he who has no money, come by and eat. You got no money? You got nothing? It's okay. Come on. Come. Buy wine, milk, without money, without price. Water, milk, wine. The language here is that of a feast. We have these things. These are common things for us. But the people who have been reading this in Isaiah's day, these things were luxuries, things that they could not possibly imagine to ever have in their possession. He's talking about these luxurious items. And notice what he says. He doesn't say, come and take. He says, come and buy, even though you have no money. Isaiah is highlighting the poverty of the people. He's making that very clear, that they have no money, nothing to bring to the table. However, poverty is no barrier to experiencing this feast. The person with no money is actually a welcome customer. But the idea of purchasing is not thrown out. Follow me, we're going somewhere. The idea of purchasing is not thrown out. There is a price for these items. They are free to the customer, but the price is not cheap. These things do come with a price, it just isn't yours to pay. In fact, it's already been paid for. You guys ready for this? Let's go to the New Testament. Let's go to John, chapter 19, verses 28 through 30. And this is going to make sense. After this, whew, so excited, knowing that all was finished, said to fulfill the scripture, I thirst. A jar full of sour wine stood there. So they put a sponge full of the sour wine on a hyssop branch and held it in his mouth. When Jesus had received the sour wine, he said, to tell us die. And he bowed his head and he gave up his spirit. As Jesus hung on the cross, just before he died for our sins, his last word was to tell us die. In that time, In that time period, Jesus' day, if someone had accumulated a debt and then they paid that debt or someone paid that debt for them, they would receive a receipt or a business document to show that they had paid. And at the bottom of that receipt, it was stamped with a word, tetelestai. And that word means it is finished or paid in full. On the cross, Jesus is saying that the debt that you owed because of your sin, because of your rebellion, because of you searching for meaning in all of the wrong places, when you put your faith in Jesus, the debt you owed God that you could possibly never pay back is now stamped, paid in full by the sacrifice of Jesus on the cross. The judge not only gets off the stand, takes off the handcuffs, but he stands in your place and he takes your punishment. The judge freely pardons your sin by suffering the death penalty in your place and then stamps your receipt paid in full. No longer is the payment yours to make. But now as followers of Jesus, we have access to the Father. We have salvation. We have hope. We have love. We have joy. And we have fulfillment. 
We are poor and we brought absolutely nothing into this relationship, but we are invited to come and buy and feast and invited into this relationship with God that brings real satisfaction and true fulfillment. The Bible says everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Because of Jesus, we can be saved. Jesus is what you're looking for. Jesus is the fulfillment that you're seeking. Jesus is the joy that you are seeking. Jesus is the love that you're seeking. Jesus is the validation that you're seeking. We can seek God and we can find him because he first found us. I'm going to say that again. You're going to act like you heard me. We can seek God and we can find him because he first found us. We can seek God and find him because of the sacrifice of Jesus. Jesus tells us in John 13 that everyone who drinks of this water will never be thirsty again. But... As we close, Isaiah warns that this, this offer of free salvation, of being abundantly pardoned, isn't always going to be open. There is a day that the offer expires. Isaiah tells us, seek the Lord while he may be found. Jesus tells us in Matthew, seek and you will find, knock and it will be opened to you. Because of our sin, we are headed toward death and destruction and eternal separation from God. But God, being compassionate, has made a way for us to be saved and that way is Jesus. But that opportunity, that opportunity to come to God won't always be open. Time is short. And I want you to know this morning that Jesus is what you are looking for. So as we wrap up this morning, I want to leave you with a couple points to walk out of here with. How do we seek the Lord? How do we do this? Well, number one, we can seek the Lord through community. Seek his presence through community. One of the best ways to see God is to surround yourself with godly people. Get plugged in here at Rooftop. If you're seeking God and want to encounter him in a real authentic genuine way. Keep coming, by all means. Keep coming on Sunday mornings, but get plugged in. Join a surf team. Join a small group. If you're in high school or middle school, come hang out with us at youth. If you're a young adult, 18 to 30, come hang out with us on Monday nights. If you're any age group at all, get plugged in. Head to rooftop.org slash groups and find one for you. Get plugged in. We are better together and we are meant to be in community. We actually have a men's and women's event that are coming up soon. These are great ways to seek the Lord. Surround yourself with godly people. Number two, seek his presence through prayer and spending time in the word. A lot of people, they say they want to know God, right? But then spend absolutely no time trying to get to know him. They spend no time talking to him. They spend no time in his word. Prayer is intentional communication that nurtures and grows our relationship with God. God is personal. He loves us. He cares for us. He wants to talk to us. Prayer gives us the opportunity to repent as well as to present our requests to God. And God has invited us into this relationship not just to give us stuff, but so that we could know him, his purposes, and his power. Prayer draws us closer to him. God has laid out his nature and his plan for us 
right here. You've just got to open it. And God's word promises. It, just, it doesn't just say it. It promises you, draw near to God, and he's going to draw near to you. So I urge you, this week, try making it a habit or a point of spending at least 15 minutes praying and seeking after God through, through prayer and reading his word. And lastly, number three, as we close, seek his presence through surrender. Surrendering our lives to him. Giving him Giving God our sin-dead lives and allowing him to make us new creations by way of the Holy Spirit. Surrendering our hearts to God, fully trusting in God that he has a plan. Surrendering our wills to his, knowing that he loves us and he cares for us. Waving our white flag in surrender is the only way to true victory. And that is accepting the victory over sin and death that Christ won for us on the cross. And maybe that's your first step this morning. Maybe that's the decision to surrender to God and follow Jesus. And if that's you, please come and talk to me or talk to another pastor this morning. We do not want you to walk out of here the same way that you walked in. If you're seeking, come find him. He can be found. And as we sing this next song, know that if you're hurting, if you're broken, if you're tired of searching for all the wrong things in all the wrong places, just know this morning, Father's arms are open wide. The price has been paid. We have been freely pardoned. And just know this morning, Jesus is what you're looking for.